I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Does Tennessee have a Polynesian pipeline? First, is it okay for us to say Polynesian pipeline? Alliteration aside, we're singling out an ethnicity. Is that okay? We wouldn't say uh, a Caucasian channel. Uh, Can we say Polynesian pipeline? I think, look, I think... I think it's okay. And I'm saying this as a white guy. I'm trying to be friend. I'm trying to be friendly here. <laughs> I think it's okay. Because, okay, put it this way. It's kind of, it, it. it's almost like, you know, you would think of like it, It it's, it's almost its own culture, its own state, similar to like, okay, there's a Georgia pipeline or there's a Florida pipeline. Like if you say there's an African-American pipeline, but well, okay. Doesn't every like what? Or that there's a Caucasian pipeline. There's not like it's not unique to a state or a region or area. But I mean, there is a Polynesian connection out out in the West. You know what I mean? From Utah to California to Hawaii. So I would say in that way, I I think it's fair to say a Polynesian pipeline because we're not doing it. I think there is a little more of a like specific connection here. And I'm, I'm trying to be as PC as possible saying this. I, I really well, am. I, I, I'll tell you what, I, what we don't want to tread into is the whole white guy thing where you say, Oh, look at that guy. Uh, he's, he's white and he's an athlete. So he's a real hustler. He's a gym rat. Um, his dad was a coach. His dad's dad. Deceptively was, quick. My, that's my favorite. Deceptively quick. Deceptively quick. We're trying to avoid that. I think it's okay <laughs> because we're not talking about genetics in terms of athletes we're, we're talking about the culture that is polynesian culture and i've, I've visited with a recruiting analyst who uh, greg biggins who uh, actually is part polynesian and he says if he can say it i feel like i can say it that there is a different feel with polynesians and the way they approach things in general but especially sports very competitive very prideful so we're using it as a compliment. But why does this come up now, Caleb? How many Polynesians are we talking about? 
of course, the big one is. Oh, yeah. But there are more. So uh, including one that came through the Polynesian pipeline over the weekend. So give us a rundown of all the Polynesians that Tennessee has because they're pretty darn good. So Tennessee right now has three. Nico Iamaliava, who is a generational quarterback. Keenan Peely, whose return at linebacker was absolutely critical for us to believe that Tennessee could be better this year. And Jackson Moy, the defensive lineman who just transferred from Stanford. On top of that, Nico Iamaliava was MVP of the Polynesian Bowl last year. And this year, although Mike Matthews and Jordan Ross are not Polynesian, they played in the Polynesian Bowl and they were the two best players in the Polynesian Bowl. Now. I would assume there were Polynesian connections and ties to a bowl named after Pol- the po- called the Polynesian Bowl. So you don't think seeing Tennessee play- commits stand out also has an impact as a pipeline long term? Fair. Can, can, can I tell you a story? Can I go Uncle Dave for just a second here? Um, sure. Do you remember? You remember Albert Toina? You mentioned him, right? I do. Okay. So do you remember? At the end of, I believe, the Vanderbilt game when he was accused of spitting at a cameraman. Do you remember that? Yes, and Fulmer kind of threw him under the bus. I do remember that part, too. Fulmer didn't kind of throw him under the bus. Okay, so this Sunday night, I get a phone call. I'm covering recruiting. I'm on the clock. But um, they needed me to, to drive to, I think it was Sweetwater. I can't remember. I know it was a Marriott property. Because the Tawinas were very upset. And so it's about 7, 8 o'clock at night. I drive out there, wherever they were staying, wherever they found a good deal in a hotel. And they had a conference room set aside. A conference room. They had video. Now, this is before everybody had a camera on their cell phone. But they actually had, that's how much pride they took in their son playing. Where they, they viewed, they recorded their son coming off the field and he clearly spat upon the ground. He did not spit at anybody. And the cameraman was a bona fide liar. And I called him out about it. But the thing I remember most about that interaction with a Polynesian family is that they cried. They cried about their son's reputation and how they would never do such a thing and how bad it could be hurt. Philip Fulmer with the team, sliding off the rails faster than you could imagine completely threw him off the bus or under the bus and off the team. But I could cite JT Mapu. I could cite uh, Jesse Mahalona, but I'm going to choose to cite Tawina because that family and that meeting impacted me to finish the story. And then I'd like to get your thoughts. I called Philip that night because it was fair for him to respond to the story. And I said, well, Philip, they've got tape up at it. He goes, what's on it? I said, well, he didn't spit at the cameraman. He spit on the floor. The response was, oh, expletive. So <laughs> that is what happened. They cared that much that they called the new Sentinel and said, come out and please talk to us. They probably would have driven to my house, but they had the screen up and they were able to play it to just, they wanted to know that their son wasn't a jack wagon. And if you spit at somebody, you're a jack wagon. Caleb, that to me. Like Charles still, Barkley? <laughs> yeah. Caleb, I think he, he's apologized. But Caleb, that still stands out to me in that pride. And that's the guys you want on your team. 
by the way, Henry Toa Toa uh, gets gets a mention, but I know that's a, a touchy subject with some. Um, I just think there's more pride there. And I, I, I just, um, maybe that's because they're a smaller group of people. I don't know, um, where you don't have as much variance. But your thoughts, I think you want as many Polynesians as you can have. I think there's any, I think there's pride with any, um, there, it's not an immigrant community because I mean, the, you know, American Samoa is very native to Hawaii. So yes. it's, it's not, but there, I think there are, there was always a lot of pride in, in certain ethnic communities. Heck, even Europeans look, Tennessee's getting a, um, can we call it an Eastern European pipeline going in basketball right now? And you True. don't think there's a, East, you, you guys watch NBA. There's a lot of Eastern European pride between those, a lot of those Serbians that come over, um, they take a lot of pride. One, they love that a lot of the NBA players think that they're soft and they're like, we're not scared of, there's nothing America could throw at us that's scarier than where we came from. So, and they'll, they'll tell you that up front, the Tony Ku coaches and the Nikola Jokic's of the world. And so I think any ethnic group that is kind of tight knit, identified with the region specifically is going to take a lot of pride in certain things. And this is just me judging from the outside. I mean, I, I have to be fair here. Um, you know, and, but like anything, it's a case by case basis. I mean, you know, some of them can be ultra sheltered and fall in love with a uh, fake online girlfriend. Um, <laughs> that's true. Uh, you <laughs> now, the the uh, Henry Toto Toto comes up on the message board. Um, and Travis said something that he, he thinks he might have been a spy. So let's let's break down that. For a second, that's uh, not true. Okay, let's break that down. Brought to you by Sports Treasures, carrying over five million sports treasures and so much more. Follow on Facebook for the best sports memorabilia daily updates. Facebook.com, go to Sports Treasures TN, follow them for the updates. Lots of all stuff. It's awesome. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I think that of all the players that left Jeremy Pruitt's whatever he called it. I don't even want to call it a team. But during that transition, I think a lot of the players just up and said, I'm outie. I was told Henry Toho Toho had the most difficult time with it, that he realized pragmatically that it was the right thing to do because he didn't know Josh Heupel was going to be as great as he is. But that he, he thought that was the right thing to do. And honestly, Caleb, who could blame him? We didn't know Josh Heupel would be a good coach when he got hired. Neither did Henry. No, no, nobody did. And also, Henry was recruited as a linebacker to play in a system that was designed for him by Jeremy Banks. Josh Heupel, we, if you're a defensive player, you want to stay in that a similar system, right? You're going to look at Alabama or Georgia in that in that regard. So I'm not about to sit there and knock um, Henry Toa Toa for what he did. He was thinking about his future, and I, I can't. I can't blame him for doing what he did and transferring elsewhere. It, it I, I think that's a, you got to think about players thinking about their future. I will say this. 
Dave, I thought uh, in a similar way, it's funny because um, we, we have him on the show regularly, but I, I will defend his brother. I thought Cade Mays got a lot of unfair flack when he committed to Georgia in 2017. And many Tennessee fans were very upset with him after that. But guys, Butch Jones' program was unraveling and he was a five-star. What, what would you have done? You're thinking about your future, right? And so, and I think to this day, Cade Mays has been treated unfairly for that decision, honestly. And I've been a big defender of him. And I, I'm the same with Henry Tuotoo for the other way, going to Alabama. Yeah, I think there was a little pushback on, on Cooper too. I think people had questions about Cooper because of that and his his recruitment. Now, Travis uh, says 100% true uh, Bammer for life. He wouldn't have come to Tennessee just for a year to be a spy under Jeremy Pruitt, would he? He's not not a Northern California kid of Polynesian descent is like, I'm such an Alabama fan that I'm going to risk my future to go spy on a team. By the way, guys, why did they need to spy on Tennessee? You think Nick Saban needed spies on Tennessee during that time? Y'all realize how bad Tennessee was? Well, let me, but but to uh, Travis's point, does it undermine our Polynesian pipeline argument at all? Even a no. shred that he would transfer? No. Because we're talking about the loyalty and the dedication to the craft. Just a little I'll bit. I'll tell you what. A little bit. No. I'll tell you what undermines I, I'll tell you what undermines I'll tell you what undermines things is maybe going hard at Henry Toto the way that many people in Knoxville have. Henry Toto comes a big time NFL star. Look, there is now it's getting it's changing, but for a long time the Polynesian stars in the NFL have kind of been the arbiter o, over uh, uh, you know the advice givers to up and coming Polynesians. You know, they what their their word is taken seriously. Marcus Mariota's word was taken seriously by a lot of Polynesian quarterbacks trying to come up and you don't want to necessarily I'll tell you this Tennessee fans what could kill the pipeline is if you guys keep going at Henry Toto because you don't want him speaking ill of Tennessee to other potential Polynesian players from Northern California okay let me ask and, you this um Dylan says I'll be honest I loved Henry while he was here but him leaving in Alabama and having a whole social media about it being business killed it for me to me, he was trying to clarify that, and I, I, I appreciate your perspective, Dylan. I do. Please hit that like button, guys, the new people that have jumped on board. Um, Travis is just joking, so he says, calm down, Caleb. But what is Henry Tooto is supposed to play? It's, it's supposed to say, it's not like he's saying, I'm taking my talents to Tuscaloosa. He didn't call a press conference and, like, yeah, make a big deal out of it. Yeah, like... he's on a social media push. Yeah, he very, I mean, I don't, you know, I, I don't understand what people thought he should do. The program was on fire at that moment at Tennessee. And if anybody was betrayed, it's many of the players who were betrayed by committing to a guy who got fired. I mean, you're. Well, guys, and, committing, and, and not committing to a guy that got fired. Good coaches get fired. Guys that try hard get fired. But committing to a guy that was an absolute cheater that would commit penalties that would unravel his program. That ain't Henry's fault. No, not at all. And so he how had did, to think. How in the world did Jeremy Pruitt even fool these people? I've, I've talked to him, and I, I just absolutely don't understand how he recruited even as well as he did. Well, he connects with players. You know when Mark Rick got fired in 2015? How, Banks, all his yeah, Jeremy Banks loved him. That's why he, Trying yeah, to punch in and hooker. At, 
when Rick got fired in 2015, all the defensive players were begging Kirby Smart to keep Jeremy Pruitt on board. And it's funny because Jeremy Pruitt gets really mad. He's there. There are certain coaches, and you probably know coaches like this, Dave, right? That they can be verbally abusive to their players, but the players still love them like fathers almost. And yes. I think Jeremy Pruitt has that where like he can, I, I think he, yeah, look, I'll say it. I don't think he's the brightest in the bulb in the box, but I think Ed Orgeron has that. I've seen Ed Orgeron. He's verbally abusive in practice, isn't he? And, um, um, yeah, well, verbally, I, th I think there are three different levels. I think there's a, the, the, the softer loving coach. I think there's the guy in the middle who is tough. Okay. The difference is, I can I can call you a jack wagon. The rule is I can call you I can say you're acting like a jack wagon, but I can't call you a jack wagon, like or a worse word. Yeah. That's kind of the rule. And you don't I don't I don't think personally you should use GD or the F word around young kids. That's just me personally. But again, that get that's not necessarily what's pragmatic. That's just that's just my thoughts. Um, so I think. Orgeron and Pruitt were somewhere in the middle. They knew what they could say and how to lose a player if they said the wrong thing. But here's the thing. If Orgeron or Pruitt said it, the player would respond. If Butch Jones said it, the player would consider it verbal abuse because they didn't respect Butch Jones. Is that is that fair to say? Right, because of things he did behind the scenes, and he was that third level that would call you a jack wagon, say you are a... I, you know, I'm using jack wagon, but... I'm talking yeah, about other yeah. words. He would he would call people names. That is the big difference. Yeah. And no, I can again, see that. Yeah. Again, you know, Caleb, it's like when when you and I are working together. If you say, "Darn it, Dave, I thought you were going to get that to me there." It's uh, a diff. It's way different than saying, oh, "Darn it, Dave, why are you acting so stupid?" You know, I mean, there's just a way to phrase things that sound less attacking. And you're in the moment of a two-hour practice. It doesn't need to carry on into the locker room. And I think Pruitt and let's take Chavis, for instance, a better example. Chavis was fantastic at it. And I thought Chavis and Pruitt in retrospect are pretty similar. Uh, not great at interpersonal communications. Need talent. Probably not great managers. Uh, of a program, but great managers of one side of the ball. I thought they were very similar. I don't know if you've ever thought of that comparison, but I certainly have. Uh, Chad I Morgan. think Pruitt. Oh, go ahead. I think Pruitt actually was a more versatile defensive coach than John Chavis. John Chavis. X's and O's. Uh, X's and O's. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. J John Chavis learned. Okay, let's put it. What? Let's. John Chavis learned about the zone blitz before anybody else did and kind of had the talent to do it in the mid nineties. And he stayed with that, with the four, three and kind of ripped the thing that Chavis realized, I, I think I'll give him credit. He realized that if ends are fast, you don't really ever have to go to the three, four at that point, if they have enough speed. Um, and he said, and he lived with the zone blitz before anybody else, but he didn't really change over 10 years after that at all. Whereas I think three Pruitt's three, four Pruitt comes from the Saban, which Pruitt's 3-4, Saban's 3-4 guys, it's actually, even though it's a 3-4, it's rooted in the cover two schemes of the 80s, the Tampa two, actually, funny enough, even though there's a lot of man and edge rush that goes on, because that's what Saban was a disciple was. It's much more complex um, than the defense. You, you cover Tennessee's defenses, Dave. They were not that complex. It was 
no, blitz I'm, a different guy here or blitz a different guy there. Uh, no, I'm, I'm completely with you on the X's and O's part. Um, you know, uh, John Chavis, I didn't particularly get along. I don't say this because I've got an axe to grind. I don't. I, I think he had to have talent, period, in the discussion. He had to have a whole lot of talent. Um, and if he had that, yes, he was good. If he didn't, um, and I agree with what you said about uh, the zone blitz scheme, but I don't think he was ahead of the curve on a lot of things uh, schematically. 